0: I'm confident you have your Bibles, but I'd like you to turn to the book of Proverbs with me. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. You know, and I know that... Let let me just encourage you about the book of Proverbs. Never treat it just as the wisdom of Solomon. Amen? Amen. Because we know that Solomon got crosswise later on, and... uh, but what we find in the book of Proverbs that this is actually the wisdom of God and uh, that He gave to Solomon. And, uh, and so don't ever treat it that way. Some men look at it that way because of, what, because of how, how Solomon wound up in the end and so forth and they want to discount things. But don't, don't do that, beloved. Treat this as, as it is, in fact, the very Word of God that is effectual if you'll believe it. Mix faith with it. And so here in Proverbs chapter 6, I asked you to go. And uh, how many of you all, how many of you all enjoy being corrected? <laughs> Raise your hand. We'll start the line over here if you want to line up, all right? I don't know of anybody that, that, that likes being corrected, you know, and particularly not on a regular basis, but uh, it just goes against our prideful nature, does it not? And uh, I, I can remember, man, when my sister used to correct me, I never did appreciate that. She was six years older than me, and, uh, and it, you know, it just had to do with the fact that, you know, that I, I used to think, and she, I think that she believed that, like, she was uh, mother number two, and, uh, and so that whatever she said went, and that was the way it was. I mean, even to the place of when, you know, she corrected me, and I kind of bowed up at it, she'd call my mom at work, and then I was really in trouble, you know, <laughs> and interrupt the day, and so I don't know of anybody that really enjoys it, but, you know, but God, has a different perspective on this than what we do. And uh, and I want to help you tonight. If I can, I, I believe I can. Look with me in verse 23. Notice what it says. For the commandment is a lamp, for the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. What that tells me is, I I don't know of a time or a place, if you will, in my lifetime where that's ever going to come to an end of being corrected, and uh, or being in a place where uh, maybe where I had attained to some things. But it says here that that in this in this passage, it says that that the reproofs of instruction are the way of life, and that way of life has to do with walking with God. That has to do with walking in His ways which we know are different from our ways, right? And uh, because his thinking about it is different and so forth. And I just know this about about how we are in the world and the like. You know, when, when financial times come, when, when bad finances are out there and, and there's a crunch on in the economy or whatever, I've seen God do some things for the men of our church that when other people have been unemployed, they've been able to maintain their employment. Or 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 God provides some other ways, some alternatives to what they have, and I think those are attributed to some things. If, you know, if you want to get promoted, if you want to move forward in life, I, I think there's three things that ought to be a part of your life. You ought to be a person of integrity, mm-hmm. amen. You ought to, in other words, that there's some honesty about you and reliability about you, that you take ownership for things, even when you haven't done maybe necessarily your best or things didn't go the way that you thought. You don't put it off on somebody else. You take ownership for it. That's accountability, right? And so those things go far with employers. And, it, and some of you are in here that have your own businesses, having a person with integrity, that can make a huge difference. Uh, you know, in with the customer relationships and future business and word-of-mouth business, it makes a difference. The second thing is, is that you would be a person that knows about initiative. Initiative means doing what needs to be done without having to be told to do it. In other words, when you see something that needs to be done, you sort of have that do-it-now attitude. In other words, you see what needs to be done, and then you move forward and do it. There's a lot of people today that don't have initiative. And, uh, you know, somebody described those kinds of workers, and I won't go to all those. You know, one of them was that kind of guy that sees things, what needs to be done, and so forth, and does it. And the last one in the list, the fourth kind, you have to find that guy before you can show him what needs to be done, you know? And, uh, and so, you don't want to be that person. And and I can't think of anything about a job that is just 100% fun. That's not realistic. That's an unrealistic expectation to have. You know, the only thing I ever got excited about when I was hanging sheetrock was when we got down to the last sheet. And I said, that's the one I was looking for right there. <laughs> I got excited about that, you know. And there probably been some projects, brother, on the boats. When you got done, you said, man... That's the board we was looking for, right? And that was the last one. And uh, yeah, but I, I just don't know of any job, if you will, that just always has everything lovely about it. You know, where you're just going to enjoy it. You just look forward to it every day. It's, it, I think it's nice if you have a hobby that you can make money at. <coughs> All right? and uh, And so the third thing is that if you'll be a person who knows how to receive instruction. Receiving instruction. I can't think of a time... Beloved, where we don't or, or we shouldn't be in a position where we stop learning. You know, to always have a teachable spirit and uh, and to be engaged, in whether it be your craft or maybe your hobby or your profession or whatever it might be. Maybe it might be even as, as a homemaker. Maybe something you want to add to your repertoire of meals or something else you want to do in a skill or whatever around the house. Something to be a blessing to someone else maybe in the church or your neighbors or your family that we're always in a, a taking the advantage of opportunities where we can receive instruction and learn because no one has ever attained it all no one has ever arrived even paul said that he said i haven't arrived i haven't got it all even though he was privileged to learn many things and had many revelations given to him about about the next life and about this life and even some things that he wasn't allowed to write about, that he saw. He was privileged in that. But, uh, but instruction is always going to be a part of our life. And instruction can be literally, it can be teaching, it can be training. Sometimes it might even be a rebuke. When somebody says, hey, don't do that. Maybe they're getting ready to see you're going to touch something going to hurt you. And, uh, and they holler out. That's why it's so important, parents, you with, uh, with little ones at home, and that you that you teach your children to learn how to respond to the voice of authority, because if you have to tell them three or four times, it might be too late. You can see the car coming; they can't. All they got their mind on is about getting the ball out of the street. But if you if, but if they will learn to say when you say "whoa" or "stop," that they just don't keep running on headlong. You know, don't be one of these. You know, put their name on the board. And, you know. Let, if you mess up, put your name up here, and you put their name up there. If you mess up again, I'm gonna put a little check mark by it. Good night. You know what that is? That's just a small microcosm of the legal system that we have today in America. So, uh, so for us to learn how to, if you will, how to respond to the voice of authority, even in our lives, because I can't think of a time or place where we're ever going to be where we're not going to be under authority. Can you? I mean, God is the author of authority. And I can't think of a time except when you leave this world and you go to the next. But even there, we're not going to be in charge. (laughs) Uh, You know, the Lord's going to be in charge on the other side too. We'll just be compliant with Him and so forth. Know as we are known. And so here in this passage, it says, in verse 23, it says that the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So sometimes it's training. Sometimes it might be a rebuke. Sometimes it's just going to be some correction but you've got to be able to deal with those things and whether or not you do that tells a lot about us as an individualist can we be corrected i you know i've seen some children that were tough to have to deal with i've seen some adults who couldn't be corrected you know and they and they have to be delivered a lot of times and you know so so I, i've got three things here that I, I want you to see you know what what is god's attitude about this word reproof what is what 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 is his attitude toward it? I put some verses here. Go with me to Proverbs ten, will you? We're not going to look at a lot of them. We're going to stay in the book of Proverbs. There are several, though. I, I I would make mention. Take a concordance and look up the word reprove or reproof or reproofs with the plural or reprover. Look at those words. They they are the Bible is replete with these things. There is a plethora. I like that word. There is a plethora of words and. And verses that deal with being reproved. And uh, and they're all here for our good. So God's attitude, I think, will become very plain. Look in verse chapter 10. Look in verse 17 with me. Notice this phrase again. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. But he that refuseth reproof, he errs. That keeping that way, keeping the way. Those that love instruction, they love knowledge. And, uh, and so the, the, the verse that deals with this is that to erith means to wander out of the way, out of the will of God, away from the things that we should be doing. And so many times as I'm reading my Bible, the Lord instructs me, He corrects me. Remember, remember what Romans 12 and 2 says? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that what? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When I got saved, I had to have an adjustment in my thinking. Because before I got saved, it was messed up. And so the Lord began a little bit here and a little bit there as I attended services, read my Bible and prayed, God began to adjust the way that I thought about things and the way I looked at life and looked at my family and my brethren and so forth, the role of the church in my life. There had to be an adjustment that was made. And so these are corrections that God does along the way. I mean, that's, that's why the Scripture says, you know, a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. Don't you have to correct them? Yeah, you do. I hope you do. I hope you do because if you don't, they're going to bring shame. They're going to. There's not going to be. The Scripture said, the father of the fool hath no joy. And so, and so here, beloved, the way that we approach this, our attitude about it, ought to be what 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 the Lord's attitude is. That our thinking should be in line with His, and uh, and so notice what He says. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, that guards it, that that cares about it, that nurtures it, if you will. But those that get away from it, they wander out of the way. And you and I, when we wander, the Scripture also says about man that the foolishness of, uh, you know, the foolishness of a man's heart perverteth his way, and then his heart frets against the Lord. The steps of that man, you know, give the foolish man. And, uh, and we don't want to be that person. So look, look with me in, in Proverbs 12. Look in verse 1. Notice it's the same theme here a little bit. But uh, but Solomon writes something under inspiration that, that gives us a little bit more about what the Lord thinks about this. Look what it says. Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. When you think about the word brutish, you're just thinking about a brute beast. And really what it, it's referring to cattle here. Forgive me, Samuel and Faith, but but the word—if you look it up and you look it up in Strong's—it says "stupid." Okay, <laughs> and uh, it, and you know what? And so sometimes livestock are not always the brightest critters in the pen, are they? I mean, you know, you just shake the pen, and here they come for food. They may not know that you're that the butcher is waiting for them in there. All right, and uh, and so. So we don't want to be like a dumb ox, if you will. We don't want to be like a dumb animal and stumble our way in darkness and just being brutish as believers. That's not what God has in store for us. And so He encourages us to to take these things, to receive these things. Look in in Proverbs 13 and uh, look at this one with me. Look in verse 8. I'm not trying to wear you out tonight. Proverbs 13, look at verse 8. Notice what this says. well, I got the wrong verse down there. All right. <clears throat> See if I, it verse it's verse eighteen. Yes, that is it, brother. That is it. I left out the one. I you mind, thank you, thank you, brother. I'm glad you could. All right. All right. So he was correcting me, wasn't he? <laughs> Way to go, brother. That's hey. But listen, that just that just leads to my point about this, about having the right attitude about it. We had that all planned. No, we didn't. We didn't have that plan. But look at verse eighteen. Notice what it says: poverty and shame to be to him that refuseth instruction. So, so what is awaiting the person who can't be, who refuses to be taught? They won't give any time to learning. They won't do that. Poverty and shame. Look at the rest of that. But, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. The Lord will, I think the Lord will magnify that person. Listen, I know two people in the Bible that, and I'm sure there have been, there are probably others, but two significant persons in the Bible that I know of that both received a rebuking, both of them, one was done in private, one was done in public. And it seemed like both of those men were not made angry or bitter about it. They were made better because of it. One of them was David. you remember when he had sinned with Bathsheba? He covered it up and so forth with Uriah and the like. Nathan comes to him. The Lord tells Nathan, go see David. and gives him that little story about the lamb and this family and how cruel they were and what they did. And David, man, David puts the hammer down. Boy, that man's going to have to do this and that. And then Nathan said, thou art the man. Swallow hard right there in parentheses, all right? Thou art the man. He didn't have Nathan executed in that moment, did he? He didn't say off with your head. Man, guards, come in here and get this guy. Who do you think you are? He didn't do that. Right. He got right with God. That's where Psalm 51 comes from.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, and so the other one was Peter. And that was the one that took place publicly. Remember they were at that gathering there in Antioch and Peter was fellowshipping with those Jews until he heard that some of the pillars of the assembly were coming, and so then he separated himself from those Jewish believers, and then Paul withstood him to the face and rebuked him. But it seemed like their relationship wasn't hurt by it because Peter speaks well about him later on in those passages. I mean, he could take a licking and he kept on ticking. It spoke a lot about the attitude of those men that they had. Not everybody was that way. Remember, remember the young man that came, what, master, good master, what must I do to obtain eternal life and so forth? And he said, well, so what you got. What did he do? He went away sorrowing because that wasn't what he wanted to hear. And so uh, and so, this matter of having the right attitude, look, look at this one. Look in Proverbs 15, look in verse 10. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. There's a lot of men where Brother John visits who are on death row tonight who, because they wouldn't listen and they couldn't be corrected, and look where they are. I, I remember preaching there, not, not on death row, but I remember preaching in prison one time, and I said, you know, they don't have all this barbed wire out here and razor wire because people are just dying to get in here. No, that's here to keep you in, keep you from getting out, you know, because you wouldn't listen. I remember visiting with a young man in one of the hardest places to visit. And Brother John will testify to this, I'm sure. We went to a youth facility, Brother Roger. And there was a young man there, and he was, he was 17 years old in that facility. And uh, I asked him, to, I said, what, what have you learned in here? And he said, the first thing I learned, he said, I've had to have patience. He was going to get out in about, I think he said about three weeks he was going to be done serving his sentence. I, don't, I didn't ask him what he did. That's never appropriate. We don't ask him about that. But uh, but I said, "What have you learned?" And he said, "Well, patience. I've had to learn patience in here." And I said, "Well, that's a good thing." And I said, "What else?" He said, "I learned that I should have listened to my mama."
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, but look what it costed. That lesson was expensive. And we say, you know, supposedly, you know, when you learn better, you're supposed to do better. But there's got to be some learning first. Brother Rogers taught us, you know, if you don't learn by listening, then you're going to have to learn by lessons. And the lessons can be very expensive. So my attitude, our attitude toward correction ought to be what God's attitude is about it. That he says that if we regard, reproof, if we receive instruction, if we take correction, we'll be better for it. And, and to be honored in, the, in our attitude and so forth. Look, I mean, this verse is so close. Look at Proverbs 29 with me. Proverbs 29. Look at, you, I know you know this, this verse. Look at verse 1. Proverbs 29, verse 1. Thank you for turning. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck. What's he doing? Is he receiving the correction? No, he's not. What's he got? Getting a stiff neck. That's what's referred to in the New Testament. You know, you, stiff necked. And uncircumcised, all right? They're resistant to the truth. He that being often reproved hardness in neck shall what? Shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. I mean, our lives really are very fragile. If you really stop to consider it. I, I know we're fearfully and wonderfully made. But we're not made to, you know, we're not made to fly through the air at 40 miles an hour you know, and then hit stuff with our bodies. Body parts come apart. Bodies come apart. Those kind of speeds. We're not indestructible. We're not invincible. And so a person who's been warned and warned and warned and warned and warned, there's a time limit. There is that sin unto death if they won't receive the correction, if they won't receive the instruction. And so God's attitude about this for us is that, that we that we ought to in other words We ought to have the attitude that says, you know, I I appreciate the instruction. I appreciate the help. I appreciate the correction. You know, the way that we look at life, the way that we look at these people. Now, I didn't always appreciate like I said, when my sister did that. But you know what? Go with me to Psalm 141. Psalm 141. Turn left in your Bible. Psalm 141. But I want you you to see what David's attitude was. He said, look in verse 1, Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me, give ear unto my voice when I cry unto thee. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Boy, David needed to be heard, didn't he? David, David wanted to be heard. And he used those terms. Incense, like like a sweet smelling savor in your nostrils, Lord. That my prayer would be a sweet savor unto you, and that my the, the lifting up of my hands would be like the evening sacrifice. In other words, that God would God would see the value in those things, appreciate those things, and David wanted to be right. Notice what he says: Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth; keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity and let me not eat of their dainties. Now listen, David was concerned about his words and his ways. And look at the next verse. I want you to see his attitude. Notice what he says, look at verse 5. Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. And let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil. Which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. In other words, in other words, David's listen. David's relationship with God was more important. Righteousness was more important, and his relationship was more important than his reputation. And he said, "Let this righteous person smite me. Let 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 this person correct me. Let him reprove me. And when he has trouble, I'm going to be." Praying for him. In other words, he had the right attitude. He wasn't wanting to retaliate against that person and say, well, they're finally getting theirs. what they did to me and blah, blah, blah. He wasn't holding a grudge. He said, pray for them and their problem because they came and helped me. And you know, a lot of times people who, who hold positions and so forth, they're surrounded and, and people of, uh, if you will, I, I think this too, sometimes people of wealth and maybe of status or position, a lot of times I, I feel sorry for them to some degree in this and that. They don't know who they can trust because either somebody's after something or they don't know really who who, who presents themselves one way at the office and they get away from there and it's totally different when they're with their buddies. Maybe they're meeting for, for a meal or something to drink afterwards in some bar room and then the truth comes out about how they feel. But someone who could approach them and be honest with them and forthright, even like Nathan who did to King David. Took some courage on his part. That's why the Scripture talks about that an earring of gold, and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover. A wise reprover upon an obedient ear. It doesn't mean, though, the lesson tonight is not for us to start looking for people who we can rebuke. <laughs> I know some of you are chomping at the bit. I know. No. Know. That's not, that's not what the lesson's about, but it is about helping our attitude towards it. That we need to have God's attitude, the right attitude, and we also have the right appreciation for it. The right appreciation. Because sometimes correction doesn't always come in convenient times. You know, there was a little boy that we knew. His name was Toby. And this was a family we sponsored a lot of times in the military when you would go to a, an installation, like we were in Alaska. I'm looking at him because he was in the army, and uh, and and so we got there, and so we sponsored this couple up and to show them where things were. This is where the where the the commissary is. This is where the clinic is, and so forth. Because people, when you know, go to Alaska, you feel like, oh my gosh, it's igloos and Eskimos and walruses and polar bears, you know. And uh, and so we got them up there, and so we would have some meals with with um, Al and his wife, and her nickname was Red. And uh, and so we went out to eat one time, and we went to this we went to this pizza hut where they had a buffet, you know, where you could eat, and and uh, and so the lady asked, you know, well, we have two adults, and and uh, you know, and, and then Red said, well, you know, I'm here, and we were going to pay for hers, and that or she was going to pay for ours. I can't remember which doesn't matter, but anyway, and she said, and, and our little boy here, he's four, you know, because it was like under five is free. You know, and Toby, just being a kid, he looked over and he said, Mama, I'm six. <laughs> correction doesn't always come. She said, well, Toby, <laughs> correction doesn't always come the way that we like it or in the time in which we get it. But, uh, you know, out of the mouth of babes. But, uh, but we need to have the right appreciation about it. And David demonstrates that here. Because, you know, one thing he saw, it. I believe he saw it as being the providence of God. Because when when maybe his maybe when his conscience wasn't working exactly right, or maybe his heart didn't condemn him, and we know our hearts are deceitful above all, desperately wicked, right? And uh, and maybe when maybe when he wasn't thinking about all the ramifications of what he was going to do, and someone came along and stopped him. I think about Abigail. Remember Nabal over there? That guy, he was such a churlish man, an angry man. David's servants helped him, and so forth. And Nabal got out there when those servants came, and and we're looking for food. David said, maybe he'll do something for us. And Nabal got out there and said, man, who is David? There's a lot of runaway slaves these days. And I'm not going to give up my food and my, and my stuff that goes to my men and stuff to feed your, your guy out there. Even though he had looked after them while they were shearing sheep. A very vulnerable time. And so one of, one of Nabal's men came and said, boy, he sent those guys away in a bad way. and I'm afraid this is what, what's going to happen. And so what did Abigail do? She got some fig cakes together and she did some stuff and so forth. And she went out there and she met David. And you know what David said to her? And she t- Basically, she told David, hey, don't go over here, man. Don't, don't bother yourself with Nabal and don't do all that. But this is what David in 1 Samuel 25. He said, David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And God will use other people in your life sometimes as the break when all you got is the gas pedal and meet someone to say, hey, you need to slow down. Hey, you better think about this before you go any further.
1: Amen.
0: Because maybe you're not considering what the consequences are because they're not looking at it emotionally. Right. They're just concerned about you as a person and want you to do well. Amen. And we've got to have the right attitude about that, beloved. Right. That correction. God, God has allowed these people in my life to be a blessing to me. Your brothers and sisters are here. You know, Proverbs twenty-seven says, "As iron sharpeneth iron, so does a man the countenance of his friend." We need some sandpaper friends sometimes, who polish us. You know, when and y'all too. When you get off to school, you'll you'll have to be you'll have to be selective about. What happens because some people when they go to, they go to Christian colleges they kind of let their guard down because they figure well this is a safe place not necessarily and I'm not trying to dissuade you tonight from going I'm just saying you have got to have your radar up about things and be wise and uh, and be mindful about that David David was concerned about his prayer life and wanted nothing to interfere with it his words and his ways and he said what did he say it was a kindness you looked at it it was merciful. For that righteous person to come along and stop him, he saw that as a mercy from God. I mean, wouldn't you be glad if somebody came along and kept you from making a terrible mistake? Yes,
1: sir.
0: An embarrassing situation? Yes, sir. Put your foot in your mouth or whatever? Man, we need people like that in our lives. And we need to be able to listen to people like that. And so... Uh, you know, so so keep this in mind. Keep this in mind that your appreciation of it. So David thought it was providence, but he also saw that it was profitable to him. It was profitable to him. David valued reproof, if you will, more than secret love. Or the song of fools. Open that's what Proverbs 27 says. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Why would a person why would a person put your friendship at risk? Why would they do that? Because they care about your well-being, and even if you even if you get mad at them, and it might take a while for that that hurt, if you will, to heal, but they stopped you, is because they really cared about you, and they were willing to sacrifice their friendship, their relationship with you, so that you would do well, rather than making, maybe making a fool of yourself. Because you know, the old, there's an old say it's not in the Bible, but there's no fool like an old fool thinks they've got it all and there and there have been some men who've gotten in trouble because of that and so you know wouldn't, wouldn't you know because you know David knew that, that the damage that can occur from errors in judgment it's just like you know wouldn't you just like termites in your house or whatever or if there was a water leak wouldn't you rather have that fixed sooner rather than later the same thing is true here and so for us to be able to appreciate that David said he called it an Oh, look what it says there. Look at Psalm 141. Notice what he said. Let let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. Now, let, let me back up just for a second about that word righteous. Let the righteous smite me. Now, just like what I said, I didn't appreciate it about my sister. But you know what? We don't always get to choose who that person's going to be to correct us. David And, and, and Paul said, if you will, or Peter, excuse me, said that, you know, We've got to give the same attention to the froward as well as to the godly. If he's your boss, if he or she is your boss, they don't always get it right. Bosses don't always get it right. But we have an obligation before God to receive that with the right spirit and attitude. So, I mean, it's nice if it would be a righteous person. You know, you'd rather have somebody who is right, be the one, have a right attitude. Maybe they did it like, maybe they approached it like, like what Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken of a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Meekness. But sometimes it doesn't always come that way. Sometimes it comes like, ah! You know, I had a preacher tell me one time, You shut up. <laughs> I needed it. Because he cared about me. and uh, And so sometimes it doesn't always come the way that we maybe would like it or from whom we would like it. It might be a subordinate. And you've got to be able to take that as well. So a wise reprover is someone valuable to have in your life. And I hope that you do have someone that way that you can count on who doesn't treat you like a yes man, who who like that maybe that wealthy person or person of status. You know, a lot of times they appreciate people who are just really dead honest with them. Keep them out of trouble. Because they put it all at risk. Because they really cared about what was going to happen to them. Or maybe to the business if they made that decision. And, so you, you, and certainly you got to pray about those things. When is it the right time to say something? When is there, you know, there's a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to speak and a time not to speak. And you need to know that the Lord is leading you in that. But he called it, he called it there an excellent oil. Something, something that would promote healing. In his life, and so when people love you enough to correct you, don't always take it as being well. You know they aren't practicing myob. I understand, but maybe maybe they were just worried about there being an old my in your life. That's why I said the lesson is not tonight about for you to start. You know, get your little your little believers' magnifying glass out there. Okay, who can I rebuke between now and Sunday? Who can I correct? All right. You know, a good place to start would be rather than looking through the magnifying glass and getting in a mirror.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> That'd be a good place to start, wouldn't it? So, uh, so David saw that it was the providence of God and he saw that it was profitable. So I, I need to have the right attitude about it. I need to have the right appreciation of it. And so then, so then thirdly, and lastly, what, uh, what can I do to avoid you think that's relevant to avoid being corrected? If we don't like being corrected, how can we avoid being corrected? That would require a change then in the way, a lot of times, the way that I do business. Maybe I'll be mindful about hasty words. Maybe I'll stop and consider some things before I speak my mind that I don't have to be corrected. Maybe it might be that, you know, the Scripture says I won't be hasty with my feet. The Scripture says, you know, if you're hasty with your feet, you know, you sin it. If I take a little time to consider some things about my life to keep me from having to be, you know, stand on the carpet in my life. So, hasty words and he that hasteth with his feet sineth and for the soul to be without knowledge is not good maybe I need to start thinking about if I want to avoid it maybe I ought to get some counsel before I make my decision we, we do so many things I mean we're so used to it as men ladies I I know y'all probably you I suspect that you all probably talk more sometimes about family life or about different things you know what you do with your kids and how this worked and what didn't work, and where did you find that? And, well, you see that in their kitchen. Where'd you get that thing? We, we don't talk about stuff like that, you know, as men. We don't, you know. And and if we have a fishing lure that works, we tell everybody else in the boat we've only got one. We're sorry, <laughs> and we don't even tell them where we bought them because we don't want them to go there and buy them out. We're pretty sorry, aren't we, brother? <laughs> but uh, but we, we, we don't discuss those things. <laughs> what I say is, you know, we have a hard time f- unfolding that little piece of paper that's in like forty different languages, and having to spend five minutes trying to find the English version of the instructions. So we look at it, and it's got two parts. We figure, man, I can get that figured out. And but but it doesn't work that way. So then, what do you do? You have to go back and look at the instructions. It's just not in our nature. Because we're such creatures of pride, mm-hmm. and so sometimes we get ahead, we get ahead of the war and we don't take counsel. If, if we're going to, the Scripture says that we're to make war. If we're going to make war, you better have good counsel, and that there is safety in a multitude of counselors. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I've gone to Brother Roger and I've said to him, "I said, Brother, is is, is my thinking right on this? Am I seeing this properly? I, I hope you have someone in the church that you feel like that you could talk with and say." You know, this is what's happened. Am I interpreting this right? Because our perceptions are not always right, are they? Because things are seldom as they are first reported, and they are seldom as they appear to be. And we make judgments about those things, and then we have to be corrected. And man, you know, what's the old saying? It's better to eat crow while it's hot, <laughs> rather than when it's cold. You don't have to back up on those things. And so, watch out for hasty words. A hasty spirit is part of that. Hasty feet. As you know, that anger rests in the bosom of a fool. You've got to watch out for that hasty feet. And hasty decisions. The scripture says that the righteous studyeth to answer. Prudent men deal with knowledge. If you don't want to be corrected, then you're going to have to slow down. I'm not saying be passive but be a little more methodical in what you do day by day. It's not necessarily the big things sometimes. It can be a lot of little things. The next thing you know, you find yourself, you're off track. Or you got in over your head or you spent money that really you thought it wasn't going to work this way if you just thought it through. Why in the world did I do that? Why did I buy that? You ever been there and done that? Yeah. Sure enough, you wake up the next morning and say, what happened to us yesterday? What did I do? And so, if we don't want to be corrected by our brothers or sisters or our parents or a boss or whatever, then be mindful of how you do your business. Be careful about that. Because you can avoid it. And I don't think it's being avoiding it out of a prideful sense, but rather uh, avoiding it so that I, I don't offend the Lord in the decisions that I make and the places I go and, and what I do. That Just like David, his... His reputation wasn't on the line. His relationship was going to be in danger, and he didn't want that to happen. And so, his relationship with you has got to be the highest priority for me in my life. That affects what I do and what I say and where I go and what I wear. It has to be, so that I don't have to be corrected. Because you don't want to wind up. You don't want to wind up like, like. Go, go back to the Book of Ecclesiastes, and I'll be done. We don't want to wind up. Ecclesiastes 4, please. And and look with me in verse 13. Better is a poor and wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. If you don't have, you know, uh, there's a a good message in it about some people that you ought to have in your life. You ought to have a Paul in your life. You need a mentor. Everybody should have a mentor. Someone you can get on the phone with and say, Brother, this is what I'm running into. Everybody needs a Barnabas. What was his nickname? Who can tell me? What was he also called? The son of consolation. So if you take that word consolation, you take the I-O-N off the end, it means to console. You need a person who can be an encourager in your life. Barnabas took up for Paul when nobody else would, right? Mm -hmm. He needed a friend at that time. Mm -hmm. And Barnabas, and sometimes you've got to have somebody like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it fits into the BFF category, you know. (laughs) But it ought to be somebody that you, that you trust their appraisal, that you trust their assessing abilities. And then when they come along to encourage you, they're not just like David's men in that cave who said, okay, let's go ahead and get Saul. Go ahead and stick him. He had men around him that were trying to encourage him to do the wrong thing. You understand? So you got to be, that's why I said, for y'all, you've got to be careful about who you're going to allow to have influence in your life. And so you, you ought to have a Paul, you ought to have a Barnabas, and you ought to have a Timothy. Somebody else that you're pouring yourself into. Somebody else that you are mentoring. And these things help keep us on track. But primarily having a mentor in your life. Somebody because you don't want to be that person who can no more be admonished. It falls into the category of the pride of life. That because I'm, because I'm 68 years old now, That uh, that Brother Brent can't instruct me. He can't point out something to me or show me something. Or Brother Jose can't. You know, I'm older than Brother Roger, but Brother Roger can't, can't help me. Age doesn't have anything to do with it. If you just got in and you're 60 years old, you're a babe in Christ. Thank God you got in. still prone to failure and so have the right attitude have the right appreciation about those who do it look at it as the hand of god in your life that sent this person along to help you and then what can i do to avoid this from happening how can i keep myself off the carpet and be right with god amen let's pray father thank you for these dear saints Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen us with might in the inner man. Thank you for the precious word of God and how honest you were, Lord, when you had it recorded in the lives of men like Peter and David and others, Lord. I pray, Father, that uh, that you will bless our people, our workers tonight, Lord, as they finish up. Grant us safety, Lord, on our way home tonight. We love you and we thank you for the truth. In Jesus' name, amen.